How awesome is that? I love how everybody is different on the camera. I don't know about you. I don't know where you stand. Like, everybody's different. And this season in the world has kind of brought that out. Like, some people don't want their face shown on the camera. Some people do, right? Claire and I are in one meeting. Uh, It's like a statewide meeting that we're in about once a month. And the person that's one of the key leaders in in the group All that she ever shows is the top of her head. That's all we ever see. We keep saying we would love to see your face. Like, we'd love to see the expression. Your hairdo is awesome, but your face we love. Anyway, everybody's different, and I love that, and I love uh, what our team continues to do for the kids. Can we hear that? Yeah. So... So grateful for the creativity and the goodness of that, and I, I just absolutely, I feel, sometimes I do feel like I'm on an episode of Home Improvement. Is that the name of that show where the neighbor was always on the one side of the fence? You never got to see the guy, but you could hear his voice. Yeah, anyway, here we are, Home Improvement. Hopefully we'll improve our homes this morning a little bit. I want to talk to you for a couple minutes. We're continuing on. We're going to be in this series uh, probably till Easter just to give you a heads up, and we're trying to cover uh, really the whole of Scripture in survey form, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, try to connect that together for you, try to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament, or really the Old Covenant, everybody say Old Covenant, with the New Covenant, and explain some of those things. Last week we started really with a splash and told uh, one of the things, if you weren't with us, that we said is that the Bible is not the foundation of our faith, and that took the air out of the room. So hopefully I can say something today that'll make you suck air as well. Anyway, that's not really the intent, but if you're already wondering if you want to walk out of the room, just make sure you go back and check it out and, and find out what we said, and we'll be connecting more of those pieces as we go. So I really want to encourage you all to stay with us every week through this process because we really want to connect it all together and it's going to take us some time and obviously it's a lot more than we can do in 20 minutes. Uh, Just to give you a heads up as we go into even uh, try to connect last week with this week, the whole issue of the scripture is the early church, for instance, they didn't have a Bible. And they seem to be intensely passionate about their relationship with Christ. And the world literally transformed during that time period, those first few hundred years of Christianity after Jesus resurrects from the dead. So the big issue was always the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's the foundation of our faith, that Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and three days later resurrected from the dead. That is the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith is centered around Jesus. And then the scripture informs us about that event, and a lot of other great things. So the scripture is invaluable for us, but it is not the foundation of our faith. And the reason why we talked about that last week was because there are a lot of people, a lot of authors and writers and masterful experts that uh, are agnostic or atheists that are trying to poke holes. Now that used to not be a problem, But when your middle schooler can go online and ask a question about the Bible, and maybe they're having a problem with doubts or something, and they connect with one of these people that can poke holes in, say, the story of Noah's Ark, and just causes them to doubt, 
your middle schooler, or maybe you, you can't sit your middle schooler down and explain this big, long process because the issue isn't whether or not those stories are true or false, although they can be defended. The issue is if you're not able to defend yourself against that, it, it just pours doubt in it's having an effect on our world, and it's certainly having an effect uh, in our culture. We said that uh, statistically, Pew Research said that in 2007, uh, there were 16% of Americans that said they were either non-affiliated religiously or, or um, unaffiliated in any way. 2019, 12, just 12 years later, 25% of Americans, that's millions and millions of Americans more in just 12 years, said that they were non-affiliated religiously um, or, you know, unaffiliated in any way. So there's like this hemorrhaging that's happening, and mainly it's happening in Christianity, and it's intentionally being targeted by the enemy. I believe this is just the work of the enemy, but we're going to wake up to this in a different way, and that's why we want to pay attention to it. Now, the big thing, the biggest deal is that it's an attack on our youngest generation. So out of that huge expanse, that huge increase from uh, 16% to 25%, 35% of that group is 35 and under. So they're the ones when they go to school, they get online, they're asking good questions. There's nothing wrong with the questions. It's just, are we ready to answer those questions or what are the things that we should hold on to? And that's what we're talking about. But 35% of that group, more than a third of that increase is 35 and under. And 70% of that group thinks the Bible is a myth or in some ways is harmful to our world. So there's a lot of work for us to do and there's a lot of paying attention for us to do. And we want our generation, every generation back, right? We not only want those that are now saying they're not with God, but we want everybody that has never been with God to come into a relationship with Jesus. Sound good? Amen, Scott. Amen. This is, this is, this is going to be so good for us and so important, not only for us, but for the people that we're talking to. So anyway, uh, I, I left you guys or said this question. Claire said that she didn't remember me saying it, but I, I thought I had said it. But let's just, let me bring it to your attention again. The main question that the group that is leaving the church is asking or saying, the main thing they're saying is, I just don't believe anymore. I just don't believe anymore. So it begs a question, and that's where I want to start us out with today. It begs a question, what did they believe they had to believe in order to, be, in order to be a believer? Say it with me. What did they believe or think they had to believe in order to be a believer? So because that's a pretty broad thing, right? Like, I, I just don't believe anymore. Let's say it again together. What did they believe they had to believe in order to be a believer? That's a great question. What do you have to believe? That's a great question for all of us. What do you think you have to believe in order to be a believer in Jesus, right? And then another way to say that question would be this. What did they believe they had to believe in order to stay and not leave the church? Let's say that one together. What did they believe they had to believe in order to stay? Because obviously, as they're leaving the church, I'm not just talking about Crossroads, I'm just talking about the church worldwide and certainly the church in the United States. 
What did they believe they had to believe in order to stay? Those are great questions. So we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis today, and we're going to start in Genesis chapter 12. And I want to talk to you about the beginning of God's promise in the story. We know about, most of us know about Genesis chapter 1 through 3. We know about creation. And again, we're going to be surveying, so we're going to be kind of skimming over the critical parts of God's story and humanity's story throughout history. So we're going to start in Genesis 12 with a guy named Abraham. Genesis 12 and and his uh, wife, Sarah. And this is what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram, soon to be Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Everyone say great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and, and you will, I will bless you and bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So in other words, here's the promise or the promise is God gives. And this is where kind of the covenantal promise of God in the old covenant begins. This is what the promise is. I will make you a great nation, Abraham. So out of you and Sarah, there's going to be a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. He literally says to him, I'm going to make you famous. How many here know of Abraham? Raise your hand. Okay, so this is thousands of years ago. And so he's a pretty famous guy, right? Thousands of years ago, we're still talking about Abraham. So mission accomplished there. I will make you famous, famous, so you will be a blessing. And all families and nations shall be blessed through you. Shall be blessed. The promise is to bless through Abraham and Sarah and their descendants that the whole world, everyone say, the whole world. The, how much in, in, in Hebrew that means the whole world. It means all people. It means everybody is going to be blessed through this covenantal promise that God's making. Now, this is a big deal for a lot of reasons. One is, this is unfamiliar turf for Abraham. This is hard for us to wrap our arms around because we have experienced so much of the blessing of God and we've experienced the, so much of the blessing of other people right? We've experienced that in our life, but this is a huge new concept that God is imparting. This is, this promise, this covenant is gigantic in so many ways. See, because what Abraham at that point in history knew about other nations and ancient tribes was that they weren't about blessing one another. That was never the intent back then. They were about conquering one another and plundering one another, enslaving one another, trying to get more territory from one another. As a matter of fact, we could even say that about the world now, right? That modern nations don't always want to bless one another. We spy on one another. We negotiate underhandedly with one another. We threaten one another. We place tariffs on one another. We take advantage of one another. We go to war with one another. We blame one another. We try to leverage one another. We sanction one another. So we can't, we, and we can imagine what it's like to be blessed and to bless. But this guy 
doesn't even know what a nation blessing another nation looks like or a tribe because it's at that point, there's none of that that's going on. We can't imagine how ridiculous this is and how ridiculous this sounded to Abraham. See, what happens is we immediately go, if we're familiar with the story and the way usually it gets communicated, and rightfully so, is we immediately go to how ridiculous it is that Abraham's going to be 100 and Sarah's going to be 90 when they have their first child child together to begin to see this promise manifest in their lives, that they will have descendants and the whole world will be blessed through them, all nations. We focus on that, but we forget how ridiculous this promise is. The scripture goes on in Genesis 17 Starting with verse 15, and it says, And God said to Abraham, As far as Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, you shall call her Sarah. Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her. Everyone say, Bless her. And I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations, kings, and people shall come from her. Now let's stop there for a minute. That is like unbelievable. This is so God. God brings Sarah into the story. And you know what? Even in church world, a lot of times we don't even include the fact that Sarah is a part of the promise of nations throughout history to be blessed. So God doesn't just say it's an Abrahamic promise. It's a Sarah promise also. It's a promise for them, right? You will have a son by her, and I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations, and kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face, and he laughed. Do you ever laugh at, like, God, just so ridiculous? Like, even, it's almost like, God, I've got to check what you just said, because that is just way too hard to believe. You ever have those days where you're wondering, you were pretty confident in like the purpose you were on the earth for, and then all of a sudden things went sideways and you got hit hard about, and it's like, this is just hard to believe that this is going to come to pass. You do, you just want to laugh about it. And he says, can a child, he says to himself, can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? And can Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Goes on in Genesis 21 and says, And the Lord dealt with Sarah as he had promised and said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived, and she bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the time of which God had spoken to him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. Abraham was a hundred years old, When his son Isaac was born to him, and now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Don't you love to laugh? Isn't it so healing to laugh and to be so surprised and overwhelmed by God that it just causes you to smile? And this is one of those overwhelming moments. It's so ridiculous, and it's so wonderful, and it's so good. God has brought laughter to me and everyone who hears this will laugh with me. And she said, who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah will nurse your children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And so it begins, gang. So the story really starts to take off. The story that's being communicated here and is carried out as a thread 
not only in the Old Covenant, but some threads go from the Old Covenant and connect to the New Covenant. And this is one of those threads, the thread of a principle and promise that is woven through the whole of Scripture, old to new. See, part of our problem is we think that the new covenant sometimes is just an improvement on the old covenant, but that's never what Jesus said. There's an old covenant. Jesus said, I came to fulfill, to totally fulfill the old covenant, but to put an end to it, essentially, he does, by fulfilling everything. He says, I'm not coming to put an end to it, but he comes and he fulfills everything. And then, as we'll talk about as we go on, the new covenant is, this, is the story of God fulfilling promises like this, that all nations will be blessed, that we and, and Abraham and Sarah are blessed as people of God to be a blessing. See, the story of Jesus, the story of the early church, the story of church In history, throughout history, the story of the church, the body of Christ today, is that people will always have a hard time resisting the story that God speaks in us and through us, the story of compassion, extreme generosity, and grace. This is always an on-ramp for all humanity is God's love through God's people, that we are all blessed to be a blessing. Abraham and Sarah become the first example for us of living into their God purpose, of receiving from God and living into that. Some would say that Jesus narrowed it down to one kind of statement. All of the law and all of the prophets, everything about the Old Testament, all of that old covenant stuff, Jesus said, let's just narrow it down to this, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. In other language, it would be love Jesus or be blessed. Love Jesus and love like Jesus. That we would be a people that would love Jesus and love like Jesus. See, because everyone, no matter who you meet, no matter whether it's the people that are pouring out the doors or it's the people that you meet that have never had a conversation about Jesus, everyone wants forgiveness. Everyone wants community to be healthy. Everyone wants to be listened to. Everyone wants to be blessed. Everyone wants to know what happens beyond this life. Everyone wants to know that, and they want to know that it's not just a fairy tale, but there's a reality. And everyone wants their story valued and heard. See, forgiveness, mercy, and extreme generosity and compassion are extraordinarily disarming. God begins to pour blessing into Abraham and Sarah's life. His intent was throughout history to love people through people. And he continues it on this day through us. Love Jesus, love like Jesus. Agnostic, self-proclaimed agnostic, renowned author Bart Ehrman in the book Triumph of Christianity, one of those books that is targeting people, trying to get them to doubt their faith, says this near the end of his book, says, there is no denying the fact that Christianity has shaped Western civilization and helped people understand what it, is, what it means to be human because Jesus elevated the d- dignity of women, children, slaves, and everybody. 
It wasn't closed to women. It was concerned with questions of social welfare, healing the sick, caring for the poor. It was embedded in their doctrines. What's embedded in our doctrine? To love Jesus and to love like Jesus. To be a blessing, to be blessed and to be a blessing. To receive and pour out, to be a vehicle of God's grace throughout history. Back to Abraham and Sarah for a minute. Abraham and Sarah eventually have some people who eventually migrated to Egypt. And they eventually begin to multiply at a pretty fast pace until they become a nation status. That nation would be called Israel. This made Egypt, the host country, really uncomfortable. But Pharaoh had an idea. Instead of kicking the Israelites out, the Hebrews out, Pharaoh had the idea of putting them into slavery. So much for all those promises of God. It's difficult to bless all the nations of the earth when you're making bricks for a king who considers themselves the master of the world. But unlike Egypt's gods, unlike anyone else's gods, that consider themselves stuck in a fixed position. Abraham and Sarah's God and your God is mobile. So when Abraham and Sarah's God was good and ready, God shows up and he taps a guy named Moses on the shoulder and he says, it's time for you to go and have a conversation with Pharaoh. With that comes this unforgettable line, That if we haven't read it in our Bible, we've seen it in the Prince of Egypt. Let my people go. And so it is with God. The story starts. The promise is fixed. And it may seem like it's delayed. But God blesses you and I to be a blessing and to bless humanity. Your life might feel that way sometimes. You might feel like there's promises that you were feeling pretty good about. There were things that God was doing in your life, and then suddenly it just seemed like you became enslaved in somebody else's story or some circumstantial story. But I want you to know that God is, is an active and mobile God, just waiting for the right moment to tap either you on the shoulder or somebody else or something else to happen to make sure the promises of God in your life and mine are yes and amen. God will show up. God will bless you. And you will be blessed and I will be blessed to be a blessing. So next week when we get back together, we're going to start right there. We'll talk more about this thing of the old covenant talk about the Ten Commandments for a little bit and talk about what that meant and what that means to us today. But what I want to encourage you with today is this, is that every promise of God in your life, as you open yourself to God and God's love and God's spirit, know that God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten us. God has not forgotten humanity. God has not forgotten the United States. He's not forgotten any one of those people that are all of a sudden saying, I just don't believe God has them on God's mind. 
So today, Lord, even as we pray, we ask that you would infuse us with the courage and the strength to know that literally for thousands of years you have been working in humanity. And you started right off in this place of blessing Abraham and Sarah to bless all nations, that all humanity would be blessed through them, that through their descendants, something profound and powerful was going to happen and is happening. So give us that kind of faith, God, that our life is a part of this story. Our life is a part of you blessing humanity. And as we engage our faith and our strength and the way that you have created us into this story, God, let us be a blessing. Let us be the kind of people that disarm those that are maybe away from God or upset with God or don't even want to think about you, oh God. Help us to love Jesus and help us to love like Jesus. In your name, oh God, amen. God bless you guys. Let's stand together. And let's sing and receive the blessing of God. And let's sing this blessing over one another, praying it over our friends and our children and our neighbors in this place today, the blessing.
God and allow that blessing to just be true in this moment. That we would hear that you are blessing us, God, even as we leave today, that we are being blessed. I pray people sense it from the top of their head to the tip of their toes. That in our very beings, we would experience that we're being blessed right now. That you are speaking blessing over us. And whatever we're waiting for, that the blessing of God goes before us, is behind us, is all around us. And I pray that you bring even these words to our mind as we rise up in the morning and as we put our head on the pillow every night and say amen. So will you just say to the people in your home right now or the people right in here, say, may God's favor be upon you and beside you and behind you and all around you, right? And you're weeping and you're rejoicing. Amen. Have a wonderful week in the morning.